The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Market Pulse podcast, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. My name is Dion and thanks everyone for tuning into episode one. I received some really good feedback over the last week, uh, some very positive comments and it was very much appreciated. So I, I appreciate those who who took some time out of their day to listen to episode one. And if you haven't, you can go back and check that. This podcast is now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Uh, I'm working on getting on some of the, the smaller platforms out there, but that hopefully kind of covers most of you, if not all of you. Um, so yeah, let's kick this off this week and, and, and have a look at the week that was starting at home, the ASX 200 down three and a half percent this week. That brings the index down 13.2 percent since the record high in February this week. The financial services sector was the worst performing sector on the market. You probably might know why because of what's been in the news, but we will talk about that um, moving forward. Overseas, though, the, the S&P 500 actually ended up slightly. It was up 0.6%. So that's the, the main US benchmark, or the one at least I like to look at. Then there's the NASDAQ, which is the, the very technology-heavy uh, uh, index or, or stock exchange. And so that was up 0.1%. So it was kind of flat in the US. It wasn't, it wasn't down as much as it was in Australia. And I've got a little bit about that as well moving forward. So... Let's jump straight into the big news, and that was the Reserve Bank cutting interest rates uh, to 0.5% this week. So the Reserve Bank of Australia, they cut them down to 0.5%, which is a historic low. Uh, Philip Lowe, who's the governor of the the Reserve Bank, um, came out and made a statement, which we'll go into a little bit in a second. Um, But, you know, you probably would have seen this a lot in the news, and, and... I've seen rate cuts before, but they've not always been so heavily, I suppose, had so much attention from the media and market pundits. And, and a lot of this is coming off the back of you know, what, what is the reaction going to be and what is the, what is the, the plan going to be off the back of uh, this coronavirus slowdown. And so everything was on focus on the RBA on Tuesday. And... Um, Australia just happened to be the first cab off, cab off the rank, really, with its uh, the standard Tuesday of the first Tuesday of the month meeting, which the Reserve Bank of Australia always does. They they decided to bring the rates down by 0.25 percent, and I came across this quote in the the statement that Governor Phil Philip Lowe released. So I wanted to talk a bit a little bit about that. So quote: the coronavirus outbreak overseas is having a significant effect on the Australian economy at present particularly in the education and travel sectors. The uncertainty that it is creating is also likely to affect domestic spending. As a result, GDP growth in March quarter is likely to be noticeably weaker than early expected. Given the evolving situation, it is difficult to predict how large and long-lasting the effect will be. So let's break that down. So he mentioned the impact on the Australian economy. 
particularly education and travel sectors. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit just to hopefully clear up why it was so heavily in focus and, and what that statement means from Philip Lowe. So he, he mentioned those two sectors, so you've got education and travel. So, so with education, you've, you've seen universities in Australia having to adapt to this coronavirus outbreak and travel bans and quarantine measures by overseas governments and the Australian government. Um, they've, had to, they've had to adapt to this by assembling online forms of content delivery to students who can't actually make it to the campus or, or perhaps were late or still not there on campus. And it's not that, it's not just that though. So when, when they talk about the education sector having an impact, he's also referring to the impact, I guess the role, the, the, the greater impact that those students would have coming to Australia, so those international students. And to put it into context, context, the education sector in Australia is is one of our biggest exports. And that might sound quite weird, education as an export. It's not, it's not like a it's not like a tangible thing like some iron ore that they get out of the ground and they, they sell to China or something like that. But if we're, in the case of exports, if we are creating content at a university and international students are consuming that content, that's considered an export on our books. So imagine an international student arrives for the semester, they're perhaps renting some student accommodation, they buy groceries for the week, they have a drink at the bar with their friends after a lecture on Friday. You know, these are all the flow and effects to an economy when it comes to something like this. So that's that's also the, the uncertainty and the impact of, of the education sector um, and growth in the Australian economy. So Philip Lowe also mentioned travel. And this is this one's a bit easier to understand, but you know, we've had airlines reducing flights specifically to Asia, of course. The AFR reported on Friday that Qantas has axed additional flights, specifically to Hong Kong, Sapporo, Tokyo, Osaka. Now, it's important to note, not all services are cut. There's just been a reduction on the amount of services specifically to those parts of the world. So the impact of travel is, you know, airlines are going to have to ground planes, they're going to have to cancel routes, but it, but it will likely also impact flights that are still operating because I guess there's going to be a lower amount of passengers because of you know fears of contracting the virus. Maybe people are just putting off holidays for now. Maybe we'll do that at a different time, kind of thing. And and airlines actually have a lot of fixed costs. So meaning a plane could be completely full of passengers, or it could have just half full of passengers, and a lot of their expenses are still going to be exactly the same. So even whether it had a full 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 sold out plane or not. And the reason is, you know, a lot of it's regulation. So the number of staff on a plane, you know, there is regulation around how much staff is, is on a flight, regardless of the actual number of passengers on that flight. Uh, the maintenance on a plane before a flight, that, that, that's not changing just because of how many, many people are actually boarding that flight. And even there was an article in Bloomberg this week by, by David Fickling that noted that Passengers and cargo make up only approximately 20 to 30% of the weight at takeoff. So not even fuel is dramatically impacted by the amount of people actually on the flight. So if they're still having to do that route, say from Brisbane to Sydney, but there's less people right now, that's, that's still, it's still a problem because there's still a lot of fixed costs 
uh, from an airline's point of view. So that's that's probably important to note there. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense around, I guess, what the concern is from the, the Reserve Bank. You also have the US Fed, so their central bank, so that's the, that's the US equivalent of the Reserve Bank of Australia. They actually came out and cut rates by 0.5%. You, I, I wrote here 50 basis points. So that's when you, when you hear people in the news say basis points um, to explain that. So if, if someone says 50 basis points, that means 0.5%. So 100, 100 basis points is 1%. Hopefully that makes sense. It's kind of like a wanky way just to say you know, 0.5%. Um, but you might have noticed uh, all the headlines talking about how this was the biggest rate cut on, on the US Fed side since the GFC. And, it, and that did seem to spook the market, especially a headline like that, because generally markets do like a rate cut. The flip side is it, it can potentially spook investors. I guess the psychology here being that with such a sudden and, and, and large rate cut from the US Fed, investors might see that as, oh, wow, uh, maybe the US government and, and the Fed know a little bit more than... I do or we do or the market does generally speaking about the coronavirus and the impact it's going to have so maybe maybe we should we should pull out maybe this is going to be worse than than what we initially thought it was going to be so it did kind of seem to spook investors the, the US Fed rate cut so I thought we'd look at some of the the good side of of what the markets have been doing in terms of it's not all bad we, we mentioned some of that stuff last week about certain companies that it's, it's, you know, not all been doom and gloom. Uh, at the top of the show, I mentioned that the US markets had ended the week slightly in the green, very slightly. And I guess it, it was an indicator for me to go and look at, you know, what exactly has been doing quite well amongst all the doom and gloom. And, and two things stood out, uh, which I was listening to a pod, another podcast, actually, by The Economist, and they spoke about workplace collaboration tools are having having quite a good time on the market right now and so two companies stood out so slack uh if anyone's ever used slack it's i guess it's kind of like a, a collaboration tool there's you know you can chat with your team and you can upload documents and share documents and work on things together and zoom video communications so uh, as the title suggests it's a video communications tool software uh, used by enterprise, used by businesses. So both, so Slack is up actually 27% in February and Zoom video is, is up about 49% in February. And so that's investors anticipating that these stocks are going to do well because off the back of workplaces shutting down, uh, increased, you know, increased working from home, maybe increased use of online collaboration tools to still get the work done but not have to go into the office and do it. Um, and potentially spread sickness everywhere. And that there have already been these arrangements announced. So you've had the likes of Apple, Google, Microsoft, some of the big tech giants of Silicon Valley start to, you know, get you know, people that can work home, go home and actually, you know, do their work from there. Another one in the US has has been Netflix, which has fared quite well as of late. Not not quite as much percentage wise up. But they're up around 7% since the start of February. And so from more of a social point of view and, and maybe not a working point of view, I guess people are betting on the fact that 
well, maybe we might stay home a lot over the coming months. Maybe we, we're, maybe we're less likely to go to the movies uh, in a shopping center and more likely to stay at home and watch watch a movie here. Which I guess is interesting. To note whether you see one, not that I have any data on this, but whether Uber Eats will also have uh, see an impact of whether people are more likely to to order food to their house as opposed to trying to to go out and get it. Um, but maybe that's something I can have a look at later. There was also some kind of humorous data from Nielsen about retail sales across February in the United States. Uh, they're having a similar issue to what you know we are. Uh, so they've they've recorded oat milk sales 323% higher than the same time last year. Hand sanitizer 313% higher than the same time last year. Face masks, 475% higher than the same time last year. There's a few examples of this. Um, but can we talk about the fact that oat milk sales have seen a bigger jump than hand sanitizer? That's strange. Probably focus on <laughs> cleaning your hands before making your oat milk flat white. But yeah, so that, that's some data from Nielsen. So if we move back to the domestic front and talk a little bit about what's more happening in Australia... So Coles, Coles actually had a great week. So speaking of, of the, the retail side, so they were up 10.5% this week. And that's, you know, potentially investors banking on some decent results out of the, out of the massive sales of hand sanitizer and toilet paper. Uh, apparently the, the whole toilet paper craze is very, very unwarranted. We're, we're most, mostly self-sufficient as a country when it comes to making, and I believe the figure I've seen floating around is about 80% uh, is completely produced here. So it's people stop freaking out. That'd be, that'd be great. A f- you know, a funny data point, if, you, if you're into, into this kind of thing, you go into Google Trends, if you're sort of a bit unaware of, or unfamiliar, I should say, with what Google Trends is. It's it's a way to track search search engine data and you know, see what's popular at the time. So obviously, if there's say a major celebrity death or some huge event, you obviously see that as as one of the highest search trends at the time. So anyway, if you if you punch in the search term bidet in and then you set it to Australia over the last thirty days. It was kind of doing nothing at all until about March the second. It just shot up completely. Uh, Australia's just Australians just had this huge interest as of March the second on alternative ways to get a clean bum. So that was I thought that was quite interesting. So that's that's people seeing all the craziness happening in Coles and Woolworths and saying, all right, what what else can I do if I if I don't have any toilet paper? Amongst some of the biggest I guess to get hit this week, that they're the banks, they're, they're, they were, as I mentioned at the top, financial services sector overall was was the worst performing sector. So you saw the likes of the big four banks down, and and again that that might hopefully that's 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 obvious when you, when you have an interest rate cut, uh, and the big four banks all did move quite quickly to pass that cut on to their home loan customers and so they're effectively that's putting a squeeze on the margin and the money that that those banks are making off uh, those home loans so I guess that was relatively uh, easy to spot you've got travel stocks so you again see flight center webjet corporate travel management virgin Qantas Sydney airport a lot of these 
big travel names uh, continued to fall, you know, off the base uh, that you know, travels, you know, of course, impacted by the coronavirus. And I, I think it's a good time to reiterate some of the thinking that I go through during a time like this, because it's it's been a it's it's been quite a while since you've seen a fall like this. I mean, I remember a few jitters over the past few years as an investor probably mostly related to the trade war I'd say from memory I can't rem can't really recall any anything else in the past couple of years that have really I mean there's been things like Brexit and stuff like that um, the market did initially fall when when Donald Trump was elected but that that was just a short-term reaction and, and it started to continue its bull run after that but the market's the market's a long-term game. So when we talk about investing, it's very much a long-term definition. So, And although it has been a while since we've seen this kind of turbulence, it's bound to spook a lot of investors. And it doesn't matter whether you're new or, or old at the game, it, it's definitely something that can that can spook you. And I like to I like the example of the wealth effect, and it happens in the housing market too, but generally speaking, if your if your assets that you're holding, so your investments are going up, you, you start to feel a lot more positive. So even so, I might have a house that's worth five hundred thousand dollars, and say tomorrow you come along and tell me it's worth five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now nothing's happened. I haven't actually sold that house. I haven't actually got extra cash in my bank account or whatever. But it's just the the feeling of being richer tends to drive us to make diff different decisions than if the opposite was happening happening sorry so you might go out and decide that you want a new car as well and or maybe you want to upgrade your phone by the latest iPhone and so the reverse starts to happen when when there's a when there's a pullback and and this can happen in shares too so you see people starting to cut down on on what they're consuming and maybe we'll maybe we'll hold off from that holiday that we're planning we'll we'll do that next year and I guess the scary thing about that is that it it almost goes full circle where it starts to cause the kind of problems that the Reserve Bank of Australia and the government are trying to stop right now or what they would not like to happen. So that's consumption coming down, a bit of fear from businesses, a bit of fear from consumers about the future of the market, the future of the employment uh, unemployment rate and... Now, I think for those out there that, and I'm probably more talking to new investors because you've seen the, the rise of uh, popular investing strategies or different types of assets and products. And I'm probably referring specifically to exchange traded funds here. They've, they've become really popular among younger investors and the quick definition, and we should do a, we'll do a podcast that sort of breaks down these exchange traded funds. Um, in the future, but the exchange traded funds are effectively a way to invest across the whole market. So spread your money out across, say, the entire top 200 Australian companies on the ASX, and they have become very popular and for, and for good reason. They're, they're they're good products, and they're often good investments to have. But that they are long term investments. That that's kind of like the nature of that that type of investing strategy because you go where the market goes. So if the market goes up which last year it did. Last year it had a very, very, very good year, a, a much better year than, than the average year of the Australian market. 
the the investment, the exchange traded fund that's following that market will also go up. And and right now it's it's going to be coming down. It's going to be following the market down. But that's okay. These these types of investments are meant to be for the long term. And so now I wanted to talk about that because that's the kind of thinking that I go through at a time like this. I, I try not to let you know your emotions get a hold of you and, and impact your decisions in any way. Again, the caveat there is that's not to say that there's there's never a time to sell out of a company or, or anything like this. But I think during a time like this, if if you understand the company you're invested in, you understand that they're a quality, if they're a quality business, uh, you you like their long term prospects, then it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't. Yes, we're going to have a bit of pain over the over. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the short term with something like the coronavirus, but it, it shouldn't matter. And you look at it and say, you know, does will that business still be around in the next five years? Will it still be around in the next ten years? Next fifteen years? And if the answer is yes, then something like this, you know, should it sh- it shouldn't spook you as much as as it might be. But that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining me for our second episode. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, please go back and and do that. That'd be fantastic. Again, if you've got any feedback, love to hear it. I did receive a little bit of feedback last week, and that and that was great. Uh, you can also put in questions and we'll hopefully actually try to expand the podcast to to put in listener questions that that perhaps I can answer over the over the future and the subsequent episodes. So that email address that you can send your questions and feedback to is marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. My name is Dion. Have a great rest of the week and thanks for tuning in.